This is the audio version of SNG U-Telegraph, March 2021. The U-Telegraph is an online magazine entirely created by volunteers at System and Generation Association based in Ankara, Turkey. All the published articles are original work by the credited authors. This month, our magazine is dedicated to the theme of discrimination as a message of solidarity for all those who suffer due to social injustice in any form around the world. To read the written version of this magazine and learn more about our organization, you can visit our website at systemandgeneration.com. For more information, you can send us an email at systemandgenerationankara.gmail.com And follow us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter at systemandgeneration. Genova 2001, when the state tortures, by Matteo Anen from Italy. Almost 20 years ago, during the 2001 G8 summit in Genova, Italy, over 200,000 people took part in anti-globalization demonstration. Although the vast majority protested peacefully, some demonstrations involved violence, resulting in significant casualties and extensive property damage. On the 20th of July, a police squad wrongfully charged a pacific demonstration instead of a nearby group of violent agitators. In the resulting clashes, protester Carlo Giuliani, aged 23, was shot dead by a law enforcement officer. Several hundred people were injured and mistreated during clashes in the street of Genova. During the night of July 21-22, the nearly 100,000 protesters were housed in a dormitory, the Diaz Pertini School when police stormed the building looking for violent agitators. The police indiscriminately attacked the building's occupants, resulting in the arrest of 93 protesters. 61 were seriously injured and were taken to hospital. Three of them were in a critical condition and one in a coma. Prisoners were taken to a temporary detention facility in Bolzaneto were subject to various forms of physical and psychological abuses. All of the arrested were later released and cleared of all charges. In the trial against 125 members of law enforcement forces involved in the Diaz raid, including several senior police officers, the Italian judges ruled that, in accordance to international criminal law, many of the accused were to be held responsible for the crime of torture. However, the Italian judges found themselves unable to convict any of the accused for discharge since torture had not yet been introduced as a criminal offence in Italian national legislation, despite Italy being part of the UN Convention Against Torture an international treaty that came into force in 1987 and yet to this day remains mostly unimplemented by Italian authorities. In its judgment of 7 April 2015, the European Court of Human Rights upheld the plea submitted by a victim of the Diaz raid and found that Italy had violated the prohibition of torture in Article 3 of the European Convention on Human Rights. The court stated that the Italian legislation was structurally inadequate to contrast torture and the other forms of mistreatment prohibited by international law. After many dead ends and failed attempts, Italy finally introduced a crime of torture on the 5th of July 2017. Since its entering into force, and actually even before it was approved, the law bill was deemed highly unsatisfactory of international law standards by the vast majority of academics and human rights groups. The new law was applied for the first time ever in 2021, when an Italian prison guard for committed a deliberate and serious act of violence against a detainee. Dissolving Prejudices 
I want to present you a habit that plays a major role in my life, that helped me not only to emphasize more people, understand myself better, but also dissolve the barrier between gender, race, ethnicity, towards connecting with another human being. The practice is a non-dogmatic, a-religious, cognitive breathwork exercise called mindfulness meditation. It is amazing how such a small portion of your time, 10 minutes a day, can make such a lasting change on the way you perceive the world and that being in a more non-judgmental manner. It teaches you to listen rather to impose your views. It's about how selflessness can make your life happier. A bit counterintuitive, isn't it? And these are only a few benefits you can get from it. Let's get through the others that are also empirically supported. Reduced rumination of bad events and depressive symptoms. Stress reduction. Just taking a break from day-to-day activities and the runaround you have to do at work, chores, multiple ongoing never-ending tasks can make a huge difference. Focus. When was the last time you tried to focus just on one thing rather than letting yourself getting distracted by your phone notification, people around you, thoughts continuously emerging? This practice can help you do that in a very easygoing, step-by-step approach. Less emotional reactivity. Oftentimes, we do not listen to the people around us. We just react. Let's say you are mad on this friend of yours. Can you get out of your own way and support one of his ideas if it's something that sounds appealing to you? Or people should know that it's not the best time to propose something. More cognitive flexibility. Stop doing things that are not helping you just because you got used to. Rethink your habits and your behaviors and get rid of what is dragging you down. Relationship satisfaction. As mentioned in the beginning of the article, This practice often leads to selflessness, thus to a happier overall life. Live and let live. Fight against HIV stigma and discrimination. The 1st of March, the Zero Discrimination Day is celebrated each year by the United Nations. On these days, UNAIDS is highlighting the year urgent need to take action to the end of inequalities surrounding income, sex, age, health status, occupation, disability, sexual orientation, drug use, gender identity, race, class, ethnicity, and religion that continue to persist around the world. This, particu- this day in particular is noted by organizations like UNAIDS that combat discrimination against people living with HIV and AIDS. And this is what we're going to be talking about in this article. First of all, we should clarify the difference between HIV and AIDS, since many people think it's the same thing. HIV is a human immunodeficiency virus, which attacks cells that help the body fight infections, making a person more more vulnerable to diseases and other infections. The human body cannot get rid of HIV, and no effective HIV cure exists, so once you have HIV, you have it for life. It is spread by contact with thirds and bodily fluids of a person with HIV, most commonly through unprotected sex or through serving injection drug equipment. But it can also be spread by being in direct contact with blood of a person with HIV and from a mother to a baby during pregnancy. 
If the virus is left untreated, it can lead to the disease AIDS, acquired immunodeficiency syndrome. This disease is the last stage of HIV infection. However, by taking HIV medicines, people with HIV can live long and healthy lives and prevent transmitting HIV to their sexual partners. First identified in 1981, HIV is the cause of one of humanity's deadliest and most persistent epidemic. According to the data given by UNAIDS, around 38 million people globally were living with HIV in 2019 and 1.7 million got infected in that year. Out of the 38 million, people 7.1 million did not know that they were living with HIV and 26 million were accessing antiretroviral therapy as of the end of June 2020. In 2019, around 7,000 people died from AIDS-related illness. This means that AIDS is not the cause of death, but it is one of the main reasons. Due to AIDS being an immunodeficiency disease, it weakens the defense of your body, allowing all kinds of illnesses and diseases to infect you, and it can have a worse result because you don't have any defense in your body to fight it, meaning that people doesn't pass away from AIDS but because of AIDS. As you can see, we have been living in society with HIV for a very long time, but the myths and misinformation that people creates people have creates certain stigma and discrimination towards the people living with HIV. Stigma, according to Wikipedia, is a mark of disgrace that sets a person apart from others. When a person is labeled by their illness, they're no longer seen, seen as individual but as a part of the stereotype group. Negative attitudes and beliefs toward this group create prejudice, which leads to negative action and discrimination. HIV-AIDS-related stigma can be described as a process of devaluation of people either living with or associated with HIV-AIDS. This stigma offers stems from the underlying stigmatization of sex and intravenous drug. Some examples are believing that only certain groups of people can get HIV, making moral judgments about people who take steps to prevent HIV transmissions, or feeling that people deserve HIV because of their choices. When stigma exists, people often prefer to ignore the real, the real or possible HIV status. This can lead to the risk of faster disease progression from themselves and also to the risk of them spreading HIV to others. Discrimination is the action and behavior that results from stigmatization. HIV discrimination is the act of treating people living with HIV differently than those without HIV. For example, a healthcare professional refusing to provide care or service to a person living with HIV, refusing casual contact with someone with HIV, socially isolating a member of a community because they are HIV positive or referring to them as HIVivers or positives. The stigma and discrimination can be found in many places. It can be governmental stigma when a country discriminatory laws, rules and policies regarding HIV can alienate and exclude people living with HIV, face restrictions on travel, entry or stay. As 2015, there were 35 countries in the world not allowing residents entry or stay to people with HIV. You can even find the stigma in the healthcare system on a household and community level or even in employment where their co-workers and employers can socially isolate them and ridiculize them or experience discriminatory practices such as getting fired or refusal of employment. HIV stigma and discrimination also affect the emotional well-being and mental health of people living with HIV. People living with HIV often internalize the stigma they experience and begin to develop a negative self-image. They may fear that they will be discriminated against or judged negatively in their HIV status is re revealed. 
internalized stigma or self-stigma happens when a person takes in the negative ideas and stereotypes and starts to apply them to themselves. HIV internalized stigma can lead to feeling of shame, fear of disclosure, isolation, and despair. These feelings can keep people from getting tasted and treated treated from HIV. They might avoid using condoms, hiding an HIV-positive status from sex partners, not taking medication, or hiding health problems from your family. They might also fear of coming out as gay, bisexual, or as an intravenous drug user, due to, the key, due to being the key population that have more chances of getting HIV. What should we do in order to end stigma and discrimination? After reading all this, how could we help a friend with HIV? Well. If you have reached this paragraph, then you're already in the first step on to end the stigma and discriminations towards HIV. Having the information will make you more comfortable talking to your friends about HIV and AIDS. Thus, we get to the second step, talking about HIV. Talking openly about HIV can help normalize the subject and we will stop making it a taboo. Be available to have open, honest conversations about HIV. Follow the lead of a person who is diagnosed with HIV. They might not always want to talk about it or they may not be ready. It also provides opportunity to correct misconceptions and help others learn more about HIV. If a friend tells you he or she has HIV, it's a sign of trust. It's important to reassure your friend that you will not break that trust by telling others. Having a medical condition like HIV is personal, private health information. You can also help being there to talk about it. It's okay to ask questions about living with HIV, but if your friends doesn't want to talk about it, move on to another topic. Do things that can reduce stress. Go for a walk, hang out with friends, or do something you both enjoy. Be a good influence on your friends. Avoid activities that have bad health effects like smoking, alcohol, or drugs. Encourage treatment. Some people who are recently diagnosed might find it hard to take that first step to HIV treatment. Your support and assistance may be helpful. HIV treatment is recommended for all people with HIV and should be started as soon as possible after diagnosis. Encourage your friends or loved ones to see a doctor and start HIV treatment as soon as possible. If they do not have an HIV care provider, you can also help them find one. Remember that you don't have to be worried about getting HIV from a friend. Casual contacts such as sharing a glass, kissing in the cheeks, hugging or shaking hands are not, a ways, are not ways of transmissions. You can get HIV by having sex, either vaginal or, or anal, or by sharing needles. To sum up, the two most important things you can do for your friends are to be there for support in whatever way feels natural to keep your friends HIV diagnosed private. Just being there to hang out or eat lunch together can help keep things in perspective for everyone. Life is for living. If friends know that you care about them, for them, for the creative, smart, funny people that they are, that can, that can be the best thing you can do for a person living with any type of medical condition. Lookism or discrimination in appearance. Hazri from Georgia. Many people have had to deal with stereotypes and prejudice based on appearance. In this article, I will explain why some people automatically judge personality by physical beauty and what misconceptions this leads to. What is lookism? Lookism is discrimination in appearance. Body positivity has become or an important part of life in recent years. Many have finally learned to love themselves and their bodies, accept incorrigible 
shortcomings and get rid of the complexes that are associated with them. On this wave, it became obvious that all people are different and you cannot treat a person with prejudice focusing only on appearance. Nevertheless, the phrase uh, meat by dress is still relevant. Discrimination based on external things uh, can be unconscious. For most people, beauty from childhood is associated with something right and good, while flaws provoke negative reactions. If it seems to you that nothing depends on appearance in the modern world and discrimination does not uh, exist, check out the research of Alan Feingold, uh, doctor of psychology. For a long time, he studied how a person's attractiveness affects the attitude of others. Where do stereotypes come from? Uh, scientists have worked for years to study how beauty standards vary by culture. For example, Japanese women strive to make their eyes big, and representatives of the Ubungu tribe try to stretch their lower lip as much as possible with heavy jewelry. In other tribes, it is customary to stretch their necks. And in my culture, tall people with a strong physique with white skin and light eyes are more attractive. In addition to territorial criteria, perceptions of attractiveness have changed over the years. Scientists argue that uh, the standards of beauty in society are changing very slowly, while they are the same for everyone. We love what is beautiful. You can convince yourself that external beauty does not matter, but subconsciously we experience more uh, positive emotions at the sight of attractive people. Anthropologists believe that positive responses to physical beauty have evolved over time. Attractiveness is in many ways a confirmation of health. A strong body, elastic skin, shine hair, symmetrical shapes, such a partner should become the quarantor of strong offspring. Today's notions of beauty to beyond choosing a partner. Feingold says that good-looking people are more likely to be credited with positive social qualities. For example, the audience tends to find the likable speaker more convincing. Is a handsome man better at everything? The research notes that attractive people are more likely to receive feedback and help when they approach strangers. Not only adults who can perceive a handsome person as a 
potential partner are subject to stereotypes but also children. Primary school students rate attractive teachers as pleasant and intelligent. At the same time, they rarely like less attractive teachers. In general, good-looking people are perceived by society as sociable, dominant, sexual, and mentally healthy. Beauty helps career. Based on the idea of general cultural standards of beauty, the researchers examined the effect of physical attractiveness on people's income levels. To highlight beauty is a defining economic variable, other factors were also controlled in the calculations, uh, marital status, education and health status. Our four years researchers have collected detailed demographic data on employment in North America. It found uh, that better looking people in most cases get higher salaries by working in similar positions with unsympathetic uh, colleagues who earn less. Accepted diversity According to the research results, beauty can be perceived as a lucky lottery ticket. Someone was lucky, but someone was not very lucky. After all, people are born in families with different incomes and uh, financial opportunities by analogy with uh, attractiveness also give advantages at the start. But if you can, uh, if you connect logic, it uh, becomes obvious. Beauty is not a guarantor of an interesting and intelligent person, a responsible employee, or a current spouse. When people manage not to follow stereotypes and uh, uh, subconscious uh, perceptions, they can get the perfect friend, colleague, or partner that does not meet generally accepted beauty standards.